the Humanitarian Engineering Podcast. Good morning. I'm Alberto Martinetti, and together with my colleague Nina Jakubaid. Hi, Nina. Hi, everybody. We would like to welcome you to our episode of the Humanitarian Engineering Podcast of the University of Twente. Today, we are hosting the Humanitarian Engineering Podcast from three different countries in East Africa, Uganda, Ethiopia, and Tanzania. We are joined by five guests, Dr. Ildefonse Nibikora, the Deputy Dean of the Faculty of Engineering and Technology, Senior Lecturer in the Polymer Textile and Industrial Engineering Department, and George Kilama, PhD Candidate in Sustainable Energy from Busitema University. Dr. Kinde Anlai and Prof. Venkata, Prof. Dr. Kinde and Prof. Venkata are faculty staff members at Jimma University, and Dr. Simon Marandu from the Mechanical and Industrial Engineering Department of Dar es Salaam University in Tanzania. Welcome. They will talk about their work in engineering education and working with communities and its importance. Now, shall we move maybe Nina to the personal introduction? Yeah, sure. Well, thank you everybody for joining us here today. Um, we would like to start with a personal introduction. So could you maybe say something about your educational and research background and why you did choose to become an academic and a researcher? Let's start with the guests from Busitema University. Thank you. My name is Dr. Nibikora Ildefonse, Deputy Dean of Faculty of Engineering and Technology. By profession, I am textile engineer. Uh, in the department, we have programs like materials engineering, masters in materials engineering, and PhD in materials engineering. I do research using nanotechnology uh, to come up with um, new textile materials and also we use uh, biomass to come up with nanomaterials like the nanoparticles. Okay, thank you. And George? Yes, I'm George Kilama, uh, electrical engineer by profession. I lecture in the Department of Process and Chemical Engineering Department of Bositama University. Uh, my research area is actually in energy, mostly uh, electrification of rural areas in Uganda. Uh, currently, I run a small micro uh, PV power stations deep in the village. And uh, we are trying to develop uh, a farming community to use <coughs> the PV power to better their life and to use uh, what we refer to as uh, participatory demand control strategy where we educate the community to respect uh, the, availab the little available power that they have and see how they can have it comfortably. For example, we have, uh, instead of them having multiple, say, processing plants, say, in the area, we tell them to form groups and have only one so that the power is enough. And because they have limited market, uh, the community's limited market, so they don't need to go for mass production because they can't sell to the nearby town. So this we have uh, running a 60 kilowatt PV battery storage system with the uh, customers up to 74 household uh, connected to this system, farmers. And they mainly farm in uh, 
uh, vanilla and chili, which are meant for export. So they're registered as organic exporters of vanilla and chili. Uh, here at Bustema, uh, my interest in research, I've done one in uh, hydrotilla. I uh, did uh, reverse engineering of hydrotilla for paddy farming. I used uh, an engine, but now I'm in the process of converting it to use electrical system with a tram system where the operator just work within the bounded area to till the land using a base uh, PV power station. Okay, thank you. And the guest from Jemma University, could you also give a short introduction? Okay, thank you very much. My name is Kindi Anilei. I joined Jima University in 2010 as a lecturer. Right now I, I am an associate professor in the uh, Faculty of Electrical and Computer Engineering in the Institute of Technology, Jima University. My uh, research background uh, is in, in computer engineering, especially in artificial intelligence and uh, uh, signal processing areas of research. I have been working on projects related to artificial intelligence and uh, signal processing for last, uh, I could say, uh, more than 15 years. And Professor Venkata. Actually, I finished my doctorate in 1990, and I came back to Jumma University in 2001 through a program called UNDP. And since then, I have been working in the Faculty of Mechanical Engineering here. My specialization is basically thermal systems and energy engineering. So currently I am running to one master's program and one PhD program in the area of sustainable energy engineering. And currently I have close to 35 PhD students I am guiding. Some of them with sandwich programs, for example, Polymy, Milano, some with ITT Cologne, some with University of Rostock, other universities like this. But otherwise, my research interests include broadly sustainable energy engineering. We focus on special areas bioenergy, others being climate change mitigation. But otherwise, we are also working at the intersection of energy, water, and agriculture. Okay, thank you. And finally, Simon from Tanzania, can you also say something about yourself? I am Simon Marandu. I am a lecturer at the University of Dar es Salaam. I'm also a professional mechanical engineer. I'm also doing outreach services, particularly to the underserved communities, by trying to develop some appropriate technologies to save the communities. My motivation to join the academia was actually while doing my industrial attachments. We encounter a lot of problems, which I think will had to be impacted to the students doing engineering. I decided to move from the industry to the academia so that we can impact the skills to the engineering students. Let's move now with the second part of the podcast specific topic-related questions. Let's start with our guest from Buziteva University, Ildefons and George. Which research project have you recently been involved working with the communities, in particular the underserved communities? 
So I work with um, PBID. PBID is a presidential initiative on the banana industrial development, whereby we want to use the banana fiber because it is natural fiber to also to complement cotton fiber to replace those synthetic fibers. So we have a project on the fabric material for military application because uh, normally the design of uh, military applications, we have to, to cater for protective uh, property and also comfort. And also we are trying to, to use biomass, biomass meaning uh, banana peels to produce uh, non-fertilizers. It is possible to extract those elements like potassium, like nitrogen, by using uh, nanoparticles, then we extract and we make it. From there, we can make nanofertilizers. We also extract like starch, lignin, to come up with packaging materials, and then go ahead to make a smart packaging material, which can be able to sense the freshness of the food. For it. So those are the research we are doing. Thank you. And George. Thank you. I'm also developing a PV power stations, which will work as double as well as carport for the administration block outside at the parking lot. We are going to erect a solar PV that work as a carport shade for the VCs and staffs of the structure. Uh, I'm also working on PV systems. Uh, we are trying to see if we can have uh, a tram system for farming because our main problem currently is that rural electrification in Uganda and in sub-Saharan Africa is not taking shape irrespective of the big investment that has been done in it because we are not having electricity for production. The most uh, usage of electricity that we send to the rural areas are mainly used for lighting, phone charging, TV and a small thing. But the main economic activity in rural areas is farming. And we don't have electricity incorporated into the farming activity. So we are trying to look at mechanism of having electricity for production, directly farming production or farming activity. So that's an area that I'm also working on. Thank you. Let's move now with the second part. How did the project create positive impact to communities and especially underserved communities in Uganda. Could you mention a few examples that come to your mind? Thank you. The U Uganda is among the largest producers of banana after maybe India and Brazil, but is among of the top countries which producing banana. Of course, the banana is uh, used to produce uh, many items, but uh, there is a lot of waste. There is a lot of waste which is need to be so, uh, by converting the waste to usable products, it means you are increasing income from, from farmers, so from there the community will benefit. And uh, George, a similar question to you. Yes, it also remind me my master's thesis was on uh, biomass for electricity production. Similar way, there's a lot of cocoa produced in Uganda and about 80% of cocoa is actually the pot husk, which is thrown as waste. I've also done uh, trying to increase the cocoa value chain so that if the beans, say, fail in the market, still the pot husk could be used to do some other thing and also to try to help in trying to reduce waste uh, from the pot husk. Uh, the other one is to the community, electricity for production. So the farmers will have effect on 
the project, they will have maybe more rate of working because they now have an electrical system or drive incorporated into the existing tools that they use. For example, if they're using oxen uh, for plowing, maybe it takes four hours to plow one acre. And now if I put an electrical drive that now help in cutting the soil, so the oxen will be able to move faster and therefore maybe you'll be able to cover maybe two acres in the four hours. So that is improved production, which is in line with Paris. Uganda has a program referred to as Paris Development Model. So one of the Paris Development Model goal is to increase agriculture production in the community. So government is funding uh, the community and looking forward to institutions and individuals to provide solutions to some of the farming activity. And this kind of research actually fall in line with that government development program and which they have packaged it and they refer to it as Paris Development Program. Thank you. Now, Ildefons, what according to you are the main challenges when working with communities developing technological solutions for underserved? Yes, one is in the community there is energy, clean water, then infrastructure. The roads are very terrible to reach there. So now, for instance, uh, whatever they produce to reach the market, not only waste, there is also loss because of very chain. So they are in a rural area, their products has a little value because of infrastructure, because of energy, because of water. The other challenge I have is low quality of products. There's need for education or could I say maybe enlighten them the importance of quality. And then the other challenge uh, I have is also language. English is not a very common language. And uh, in some areas, the schools are very far away. So people don't go to, to school very commonly. In this specific small town, uh, we had also very many cases of uh, teenage pregnancies. I tried to investigate in, in that old trading center there's no single shop that sells also even just condoms. So we still have a lot of uh, such kind of problem in the community, which I think still stem from poor access and also the knowledge of the existence of the, uh, the facility. Let's move now with our guest from Jima University, Kinder Empov Tenkata. Which project have you been involved related to community-based education and which one that have generated the most impact? I also have been working in some community-related projects. For example, uh, clean burning cook stoves for our student launch of very high capacity, 200 liter and all. So I realized at that time efficiency is not the only thing and efficiency is not everything. There are other ergonomic features that must be integrated. Because the feedback that what we have got is they need to deliver the food for almost 12,000 students at that time. Even our undergraduate class in civil was 3,000. So to be able to deliver breakfast, lunch, dinner, the time is limited. So there were some concrete-based efficient stoves that were installed. But the cooks were more interested in increasing the firepower. Efficiency is not important, how to deliver. Even they were forced to stand on chairs, steal the food. So the design has not been considering the ergonomics and other aspects. 
So then we modified the design through an initiative through Public Health Institute, uh, CDC of US. So we brought some efficient stores from California, but we found uh, they are not suitable for this context. So we have to change the design again to accommodate the vessels here. So ultimately we could succeed trying to use the existing vessels. That is one project we have done. The other project that is actually trying to make our smallholder farmers contribute to the climate change mitigation. So most of the time in African context, they are using charcoal stoves. They buy charcoal and use. But how the charcoal is made, 70% of energy is lost through volatiles. So what we thought is we designed a stove that is charcoal making stove. So user can cook the meal, he would sequester the carbon, the sequestered carbon he would put into his soil that will enhance the soil fertility. So we were interested trying to link energy security, food security, climate change mitigation, making the smallholders, smallholder farmers eligible for carbon credits. So making smallholder farmers climate change mitigation agents. We wanted to pilot some trials where they see for themselves by applying biochar how much enhanced crop yield they could get. So, so that the idea can be propagated. Now, what according to you are the main challenge of the community-based education model and developing technological solution for the underserved communities in Jima and in Ethiopia in general? There are several challenges in the implementation of the designs. Most of the challenges we are facing, of course, uh, financial challenges, I think. We do have a shortage of funding, even though we try to come up with a still a local solutions, still funding is an issue. And so in really addressing some of the community problems, still we try to arrange some sort of funding grant initiations, or we try to actually mobilize the community to fund the project themselves. We try to make sustainable in that way. Yeah, but uh, can I add one more? Of course, of course. Yeah, one peculiar problem the university has been facing, and we call it as community fatigue. It is mandatory for every student of the university to participate in this program. So we have, we have been sending our students to the surrounding communities because of the logistics transport costs. So now every now and then people going to the same households, asking the same questions to find out the problems. Now people sometimes get fed up. Of course, we can keep on changing the field locality, but that involves a lot of cost. Taking the, all the students to far away, year after year, changing the communities. So some sort of a community fatigue has developed. So university has identified the problem, trying to address the problem, but the thing is, Ministry of Education doesn't give us extra grant for this. There was a problem, but now we are trying to move away from this. We are trying to encourage volunteerism in this community-based. It is not that university keeps on funding. We need to encourage some sort of a volunteer attitude. Take ownership of your neighborhood communities, trying to develop positive attitudes to serve the society. So the university is trying to encourage now volunteerism. But community fatigue was a problem. <laughs> now, moving with our last guest from Dar es Salaam University, Simon. Which research project have you recently been involved in focus on working with communities, in particular the underserved communities? A very recent project I've worked on, in particular with the underserved community, was during the COVID-19 
error whereby we were approached by the World Food Programme and asked to develop appropriate technology for hand washing, particularly in the refuge camps in the western Tanzania. Now, how did the project create positive impact to communities and especially underserved communities in Tanzania? Could you mention a few examples that come to your mind? The project was really impactful to the society because during that time it was really a challenge. People had to wash hands without touching the taps and we needed an appropriate technology which would do that and we developed the automatic hand washing machine and by so doing we eliminated the risks of the COVID-19. The main challenge was actually the readiness of this underserved community to use the developed solutions. Awareness was needed to make them to adopt to the new culture because many of these underserved communities were not aware of the need of washing their hands and we had to create the awareness for them to use the developed technology. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, great. Then we move to the last part of our podcast, our fast questions. You can just answer in a couple of words. Starting with the first question. Why do you think humanitarian engineering is relevant? Let's start with our guests from Busitema University, Ildefons and George. Another name for humanitarian engineering is engineering for change, for impact. So it means the community have to see the change of the presence of engineers around. It is very important. Thank you. Then we go to the guests from Ethiopia, Kinder and Professor Venkata. Yeah, humanitarian engineering in the context of Ethiopia is very relevant because there are a lot of pressing problems facing the community at this time. So with engineering aspects that we think, I think it's very difficult to address uh, those community problems. So. Humanitarian engineering will give us more focus in working and addressing very pressing problems that exist in Ethiopia right now. Thank you. And then Simon, what do you think about it? Humanitarian engineering is relevant because there are many social problems in our underdeveloped communities which require intervention through humanitarian engineering. Okay, great. Then we go to the second question. What are, according to you, the most urgent topics that should be addressed by humanitarian engineering at the moment? Eldefons and George? Yeah, the most important is boosting area of energy <coughs> and area of access to safe water and water for production and also the energy for production. Humanitarian engineering, I say, is community uh, involving and that's what makes it possibly more embracing compared to the other engineering. Thank you. And what do you think, Kinder and Professor Venkata? Yeah, in my opinion, I think uh, trying to integrate the design with so many peripheral issues, we are trying to emphasize the design for sustainability as an approach to be integrated in the curriculum. Okay, great. And Simon, what do you think? The most urgent topic here in Tanzania to be addressed by humanitarian engineering is on the health sector. We have biomedical facilities for assisting the community, especially those who have got the healthy impairments. 
some do not have legs and you will feel that is an area which require an immediate attention. Okay, thank you. The third question is, why should someone become a humanitarian engineer? The guest from Busitima University, Eldefons and George, what do you think? Why someone should become a humanitarian engineer? It's because there is a lot of to do to help the community to, to improve in their life. Because um, we have uh, global issues which need to be addressed by humanitarian engineer. Okay, thank you. And Kinder and Professor Venkata, what is your opinion here? Of course, uh, someone has to become a humanitarian engineer because he has to solve the problem of his community, society where he lives in. Thank you. And Simon, what do you think? Someone should become an humanitarian engineer so that they can know the needs of the society. Because by just being a traditional engineer, you cannot know what the society needs. You may design something which is not appropriate to the society and you end up a useless product or a product which is not uh, taken up by the people. Okay, then we move to the final question. Pick one aspect that makes humanitarian engineering different from other engineering disciplines. The guest from Busitema University, Ildefons and George, what is your opinion here? Humanitarian engineering is community-based and uh, it actually involves mainly looking at the problem arising from, say, the community that actually affects the rest of the globe, for example, environmental issues or climate change, which can arise from a small community but can affect the whole globe. Thank you. Thank you. And from Ethiopia, Kinder and Professor Vankata, what is your opinion? I think it gives a holistic perspective in trying to inculcate a multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary approach. Uh, for example, uh, depending on the application, if you are trying to design a humanoid robot, I mean, applications could be many. There is a requirement to synthesize many, many aspects. So that's where uh, this discipline is important, in my opinion. Thank you. And then Simon, what do you think here? Humanitarian engineering involves all the aspects of um, societal needs. It ranges from the social part to the engineering parts, whereas the traditional engineering focuses only on the functionality of the product, doesn't look around into the need. Okay, thank you everybody for these elaborate answers. Today, we had a very special episode with our guests from East Africa. We had guests over from Jema University in Ethiopia, from Pusitema University in Uganda, and from Tanzania, Dar es Salaam University. We have talked about community-based education and the challenges when working with communities. Well, thank you, Ildefons, George, Kinde, Professor Venkata, and Simon, for joining us and sharing your experience with our audience at home. And of course, thank you for contributing to a better and more equal world for all. This was the Humanitarian Engineering Podcast. See you next time.